For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Welcome back to the Believe in Indianapolis Colts podcast, everybody. We are your hosts, Jake Arthur, here alongside Zach Hicks, and we are on the Believe Podcast Network, the number one podcast network for professionals. Do you believe? Never miss an episode of the show by subscribing wherever you listen to podcasts. And we're happy to see a lot of new subscribers all the time, it looks like. Uh, that's, that's really cool that you guys are enjoying the show. Uh, so we'd definitely be happy to hear from you guys by leaving a rating and review as well. Uh, if you're the person, the one person that left us a one-star rating, I want to hear from you too. You can't do that and then not leave a review. What did you hate? I need it's probably hear. someone who I burned bridges with and they just, they just don't like me. So they... <laughs> <laughs> or, or it's someone in the podcast wars, like a, it's uh it's someone from like a different gang. I feel like we're good about not getting into feuds. I mean, no, there there's podcast wars. We're not, we're not in that beef, luckily. That's no, true. no, no. We're 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 too boring, I guess, for that. Is what was what was what the one guy called us on Twitter uninteresting or something? Yeah, that's rough. <laughs> I, again, if he said that when it was just me, I totally get it. I was dog shit before you came on there. Like, I didn't know. How, like, I had never run my own podcast before. I didn't know how to do it by myself. So I fully understand if if that was it, but. Were you the over editing type or the under editing type? Under, I, I yeah. under edit. As as anyone who listens to the show regularly knows, I under edit. <laughs> well, but it's I'm, fine when you have two people like like yeah. you and I. If you under edit, you kind of get you know like my dog's eating in the background right now. If people hear that, it's whatever. But yeah. you know, it, it kind of adds to our weird charm that people say on in our comments. You know, they say <laughs> they say it's like a com- it's like overhearing conversation is what people say, which I exactly. like exactly. But, but I, when it's I've, just you. And like, dude, when I did Locked On, like I was over editing. So like every single um I had just edit out, edit out. So all oh, my yeah. words were just like, just <laughs> going back. Yeah, that's not great. I, I See, I've been told before people like authenticity mm-hmm. and they don't like over editing. And when I think about it, like the podcasts I listen to regularly, it's all pretty normal, just off the cuff stuff. So if you guys don't like it, sorry, but I'm not going to add like another another hour editing all my ums and deep heavy breaths that I'm sure to have tonight after I just had a huge meal. So <laughs> the person who helped me with that was Dane Brugler. I listened to a bunch of his podcasts uh-huh. and he says, um, all the time. And it made me feel so much better about myself. I was like, okay, cool. I can say some ums and people won't kill me for it. <laughs> or maybe they just don't kill Dane for it. <laughs> I See, I say that to people in real life. It's just a filler. I don't know. It's, yeah. I'm the kind of person who I, I can't have blank space when I'm talking. So everything just gets filled with an um or, or whatever. Well, this got really off track really quick. Always does. Always does. That's <laughs> us. We, we've been away for a couple of weeks. I mean, that's kind of, we have to catch up on oh, absolutely. all the yeah. off track, off track stuff. Yeah. Things going on. Yeah. 
things have been weird lately, but we're back. Uh, but yeah, thanks for joining us tonight, everyone. Uh, we are both back today, and we're going to kind of catch you all up today on the Colts Free Agency, uh, give you our takes of what's gone on the last week, week and a half, and we'll take your questions as well. Uh, but before we get into all that, though, let's go ahead and hear from our sponsor. Bet Online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. March Madness is upon us. Bet Online has you covered for all the sports news, scores, and odds, and it's the best way to get and place your bets, and it is free to sign up. Zach, I don't know about you, but my brackets have not been doing great. Uh, I, I don't know what I expected, considering I have watched zero seconds of college basketball and thought I would do well. It, it has not gone well for me. Yeah, I think I listened to too many Colts fans, and I had Purdue going to the Final Four, so that didn't work out for me too well. I did have Loyola Chicago going to the Final Four as well, I think, so uh, or going close to the like maybe the Elite Eight. So that one's going pretty good for me right now. Yeah, that's all right. I, I think I got Gonzaga still in it, so I'm yeah. feel okay. <laughs> uh, head to head to the website betonline.ag or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your fifty percent welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. All right, everybody. So, Zach had a had a little uh, birthday this week. How'd that go for you, bud? You do anything awesome? Yeah, dude, I celebrate T.Y. Hilton getting re-signed. That was that was a great birthday present. The Colts took care of me. Um, but no, no, I you know, twenty four years old, twenty four years young. I like to say, you know feel a lot older than that right now but uh you know I, I think I said on Twitter that day I, I it's it's crazy thinking like like three years ago I was doing like locked on Redskins and covering that market and now three years later um you know I'm I'm covering this team out here and with the Colts and you guys are listening I'm doing a podcast with somebody I knew from sport from what was it pro football spot or whatever and yeah yeah so it's just cool it's cool you it, you, you know on birthdays you kind of can reflect a little bit on that kind of stuff and um it, it's just fun to see how far like everything's kind of going but uh yeah dude fun birthday a lot of Colts fans giving shout outs and then T.Y. Hilton getting re-signed was uh was a really cool thing to kind of end off the day so can't complain too much they did that specifically for you, I'm told. For me. For me. Yeah. Dude, they get they've had a rough off season for me. It's been tough for me watching Julian Davenport tape and all that, which we'll <laughs> talk, you know, we'll talk about here. But uh yeah, now being able to just chill on at the end of my birthday and write about T.Y. Hilton uh at the end of my day was was definitely a good way to end it. <laughs> Can I just tell you that I listened to his appearance on Pat McAfee's show on Pat McAfee's show uh today, Thursday. And it was so good. T.Y. Yeah. was so good on it. Say, I have three different articles I'm writing based on stuff he said. One thing that people, you know, love him or hate him, Pat McAfee, right? Mm -hmm. it, it's crazy. I don't know if he majored in it in college or something, but he is such a good interviewer. Like, he is. The way that he's able to get out answers and stuff. And it does help that he's a former player and played with a lot of these guys and stuff. But the way that he asks his questions and he makes it like a lighthearted environment. Like, you know, we're, we're guys that are in, in media right now. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you've been in locker rooms. I've interviewed plenty of players. Uh, it, it's definitely a learned skill and he's kind of picked it up pretty, pretty easily. And he, I, I'd argue that he's one of the best, if not the best at interviewing players, like, you know, for a show and stuff like that, at really getting good answers and getting legit stuff out. Uh, yeah. Pat McAfee does a great job. And that T.Y. Hilton interview was just outstanding. Yeah, he is. He's he's so good at 
helping guys let down their walls and give mm-hmm. good answers. Cause I I've been around T.Y. Hilton for a while. If you're in a scrum with him, you're not going to get, you're not going to get very anything very colorful unless mm-hmm. he's really pissed off at the time. You're not going <laughs> to get very much to write about. I, I want to see him interview Braden Smith, for example. That's one guy you're not you're not going to get anything colorful out of him almost ever. But I would be willing to bet that like Pat McAfee could get something really good out of Braden Smith. There, there's really good answers in everyone. You just have to have the right interviewer to do it. And I think he's so relatable to the players that uh, that's one guy I would definitely definitely want to hear. And when I talk to Braden, I want a one on one. I I got to come up with some. I got to come up with some good whether it's gardening or fishing or something, <laughs> I'm going to talk to my dad about like more fishing stuff. So I know how to talk Braden's language. I got to help him let down those walls. Wink, wink. Well, let's hit up uh, Colts media and see if we can get him on the show. We can talk <laughs> all about gardening for an entire hour. That's all it'll be about gardening tips and fishing. Honestly, my wife would love it, dude. I need more gardening tips. I don't know enough <laughs> about gardening. I'm, I'm just out there just to dig the holes for her to put her plants. In. <laughs> That's all I'm for. Dude, I have gotten into carnivorous plants. That's it's a very weird thing to say, but in the last year, so okay, during the summer here in Indiana, I'm sure everywhere has the same issues, but I got so tired of like flies and we get these little like wasps in our house and stuff. Mm. And I got tired of just like trying to chase them around and kill them and stuff because I, I have a dog, like she's been stung in the mouth by a bee before and almost died. So like I try to I try to not let that happen as much as possible. So I went out and bought a Venus flytrap and a pitcher plant, which is basically another Pokemon type of plant. <laughs> there is a Pokemon of it. It's basically, it looks like a banana and then bugs go down into it and just dissolve. So I have two yeah. of those. Yeah. So that is my new creative problem solving when it comes to plants. I'm there very- we go. That, so we hit up Braden Smith. We talk about carnivorous plants and how to, you know, properly care for them. And then boom, we ask him to jump on the podcast. I think it, I think it's a great plan of attack. That is perfect. And guys, if you didn't catch last week, this is a perfect segue, by the way. If you didn't catch last week, I talked to Michael Pittman Jr. Uh, about Carson Wentz and uh, Desmond Patman being big as hell now and all <laughs> kinds of stuff. He was doing a promotion with Buffalo Wild Wings. So we talked about that a little bit as well, but if you didn't catch that, go back and listen to last week's episode after this, get a little interview with Michael Pittman Jr. Um, but yeah, I don't know. We might as well go ahead and get into some football stuff now. Uh, so, we're going to talk about plants, but whatever. That's fine. Yeah, no, this this was all just going to be non-football related this whole time. <laughs> we pulled the biggest uh, trick ever. You know, we just have everyone <laughs> tune in for our show and we just talk about our lives like nothing else. No football related. I'd be more likely to do that tonight because, like I told you, my, my wife and daughter are out of town this weekend. So I've been drinking beer since 5 p.m. <laughs> so we don't really know what's going to come out of me today. But, you know, when when the cats are away, the mice will <laughs> day drink. <laughs> do you, and do you have a drink with you this time? Because, I mean, everyone loves when you drink on the show. I've got a couple beers here. Yeah, I'm starting to be like the town the, the town drunk or something is what I'm becoming, even though I don't drink that much. No, I just have a Coke with me. Uh, I still have work tomorrow at 6. If this were a Friday night, I'd probably uh, be drinking a little bit. But work at 6 a.m. tomorrow. I try not to be too drunk at work. You know, just oh, a yeah. little. Just a little drunk at work, you know. <laughs> I get drunk for this job. I don't get drunk for the always other. just a small level of yeah. 
slightly I, inebriated, just below the limit where I could still drive. No, I'm just kidding, guys. I don't, <laughs> I don't drink in the day or go when I'm going to work. <laughs> yeah, I, I took the work days off that that uh, the girls were going to be out of town. I'm actually golfing tomorrow. The uh, this beer might kill me because I mean, drinking beer and then trying to wake up at 31 years old at like 6 a.m. the next day. It, it's drinking as a 31 year old is like being a running back as a 31 year old. Now it just, it's uh you know, no one's going to give me a contract for drinking right now. <laughs> well, there we go. We can get into our fancy talk, talk about drinking and getting drunk and being depressed. We're going to talk about the Colts free agency, yeah. right? Like what, what, what's the first thing we're talking about? We, we got another nice segue and I'm going to move this subject up the list because it maybe makes us want to be drunk. So a lot of Colts fans have not loved this approach in free agency, even though it happens every year. The Colts have buku bucks to spend. They're always top five in, in cap space every year, but don't make these huge splashes. Um, I mean, Carson, people don't seem to lump Carson Wentz into it because it happened over a month ago. Yeah. Carson Wentz kind of counts as a free agent move. They got what they hope is their franchise quarterback. What is that's the case? We don't really know. We have to see him play. But uh, Carson Wentz is a new face, and then they've just made some very modest moves, to put it lightly. Uh, <laughs> I, I, Isaac Rochelle, uh, he was a defensive line guy picked up from the Chargers, uh, big bodied guy. He pretty much is their first replacement for Danico Autry that they've made. Uh, big left defensive end can kick inside on passing downs. Uh, personally, my preference is still Taekwon Lewis gets the first shake at it, but, you know, let training camp decide that. Whoever is the best player, let that, you know, cool, whoever that might be. Uh, and then a couple of offensive tackles. One has been named officially, one not yet. Uh, Sam Tevy, also from the Chargers. He's got extensive experience at left tackle and right tackle. Uh, Zach Kiefer reported that Julian Davenport, uh, formerly of the Texans and then most recently of the Dolphins. He's expected to be signed in the coming days. Um, he's been not great, <laughs> to, to, put it, to put it lightly. I will say, though, a silver lining, his PFF grade has gotten better every year, but it has still really never risen above mediocrity. Yeah, but last year he played 70 snaps. Hey, man, but That's he it. kicked ass, apparently. <laughs> I watched him. Well, he he did not. Well, of course, versus his previous years, not not like Trent Williams. In front of someone, he just needed to stand in front of someone to get an improved. Blocking for Ryan Fitzpatrick will do that for you. True, true. And then Andrew Brown, who no one ever mentions, but it's because he was a waiver pickup. But Andrew Brown, that's another addition. Uh, he's kind of like Rochelle, a big-bodied guy playing. You know, defensive end, defensive tackle can go inside or out. Probably ought to stay at three tech, I would I would imagine. But yeah. that's the new faces. Um, you and I haven't been together yet in free agency talking about this. So what uh, what are your hot takes or just your lukewarm takes for this group? Well, I mean, Carson Wentz, I think we've talked enough about Carson yeah, Wentz. That, like that one of, we have talked about. Yeah, yes. so I feel, I feel good about that one. Uh, starting with Isaac Rochelle, I, I know that he's got some fans already here with the, with, you know, the Colts fan base. And I think a lot of that is to do with his Notre Dame roots. And uh, I think he finished second in the Walter Payton man of the year race last year, second or third 
in that. Uh, so great dude off the field. Uh, I, I think he's TikTok famous too, is what uh, I've heard. Uh, big time TikTok person. Um, my wife could probably tell me more about that than, than I could say, than I could speak to it. But uh, by all accounts, I mean, he seems to be a very smart, energetic, uh, you know, high work ethic, you know, all these kind of things that you want in this Colts locker room, all the stuff that you kind of associate with being a Chris Baller type of guy. He seems to fit that to a T. Now, when I watched film, I just kind of saw a guy, you know, like I didn't see anything really special. I mean, I think last year his, his pressure percentage was uh, 6.4%. Uh, so we got pressure on 6.4% of his pass rushes last year, which uh, I believe pro football focus had him ranked as 77th out of 83 qualifying ends. Uh, so one of the worst pass rushers in football among defensive ends last year, according to pro football focus. Uh, in the run game, I didn't see much better, very inconsistent. Uh, you know, if, if everything was working, if he got his hands inside, if he had a good base and he knew the play was coming, yeah, he could be a good run defender. But if one of those things was off, it was it was not going to be as pretty. So, yeah, I don't know. I, I don't even think he's a roster lock at this point. I think he's just a very, very average player that can give you a couple good snaps a game. My only fear with this kind of signing is if it turns into an Al-Qadim Muhammad type thing where, you know, he's your starter for most of the year uh, and playing over guys like Ben Manigou and Kamoko Ture, which would be a horrible situation for the Colts because those guys need to get snaps. No, like no matter what, unless there's an injury, obviously those guys need to get on the field this year. Like no excuses this year because you got to figure out what you have. Uh, so he's getting, you know, starter snaps over guys like Manigou or Ture. I don't even think that's really an issue in terms of like, you know, I don't think that's like, him outperforming them, right? Like they just need to get the snaps over him. Like they, they have more potential. Uh, they like more juice, everything. So that's my only fear with this. Otherwise I think it's a very unremarkable signing. I don't really have any issues or, you know, excitement for it. Uh, Sam Tevy at first, I hated it. Uh, Pro football focus has not been kind to him over the last couple of years. And I believe he's given up, I want to say 18 sacks over the last three seasons uh, only two last year, but 16 total the, the two years before. Started 44 games for the Chargers at left tackle. Uh, some of them he was planned to start. Some of those, uh, the, you know, injuries. You know the Chargers with injury luck. It's even worse than than yeah. us. So, um, but honestly, I, I hate aspects of his film, and I love other aspects of him. I think when it comes to strength, it's a huge, huge issue in his game. Uh, he does not get constant drive on guys. Uh, you can even tell, I think his combine – he had got like 12 on the bench press, which is like. That's it, inexcusable for, yeah, for a yeah. French player. Yeah. Like if you rank, I think, I believe RAS like ranked it according to all offensive tackles drafted since like 1998. And it was like in the bottom five in terms mm -hmm. of offensive tackles. So it's, it's awful. And you can see it on film. He doesn't have much strength. Uh, he gets bull rushed back into the pocket quite easily. I will say though, from for every issue like that, you know, and also his footwork needs some 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 work as well. But for every issue like that, I think what you have is a guy who started a lot of games. You could see that with the way he uses hands and the way that he kind of knows what he's doing. You have that. You have a guy who moves pretty well, and he gives so much effort. Like he is a, such a high effort guy. Like he will like just run his ass off to cut off blocks to get to that like, second or third level, even if he's not going to do anything on the play, you know, he, he is competing, he's throwing his body around. Uh, so I'm a big fan of what he does despite his limitations. I think he can be a good swing tackle, uh, had his best career season last year, even though it wasn't amazing, you know, I think there's potential to be a good swing tackle there. So another 
Again, unremarkable signing, but I think he can be a good swing. Uh, and then the other two, you know, Julian Davenport, I don't think, you know, makes it past preseason. A uh, big clunky tackle who, like, just can't move. Look, I mean, if you watch him, he has cement in his feet. Looks like he's moving in slow motion. He He's I, – I feel pretty – I feel almost as confident as when I said Dante Foreman is not going to make the Colts roster a couple years ago. I don't – I'm pretty confident saying Julian Davenport will not make this roster unless there's injuries. And then Andrew Brown, I kind of think the same way. You know, waiver claim, you see what you got. But, you know, I think this is his fourth or fifth year in the league now. Uh, he's – like last year he got claimed by the Texans and they just barely played him. And they were playing everybody towards the end of last year and he still wasn't playing. So, uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't really see either of those guys really being anything. So, Tevi, I kind of like. Rochelle is kind of meh. And that's really it. So, I I don't know. I it's very, very unremarkable, the guys they brought in. Yeah, I, I think this year more than ever. I mean, they, they obviously brought back their own guys that we yeah. know plenty about. But they never they never seemed to bring in guys who were supposed to be big-time players or stars. I mean, you, you have your, like, Xavier Rhodes, for example, who at least was supposed to be a starter but had an all-pro pass. Um but these guys are role players at best this year. They they have not gone, and I can't I can't say they haven't dug their you know done their due diligence on some star free agents. But these guys are absolutely role players at best that that they've addressed this year. Yeah, I don't see there being any, you know, maybe Rochelle figures it out. I know he was a good he had a good nice little like a nice little bull rush in college that he used in Notre Dame. So maybe he figures it out and, and you know is has a career season with the Colts, but yeah, I mean, Tevi at best is a swing tackle and Rochelle, you know, I, I think at best is just a rotational type guy. Like, and at worst they're both cut. Like, you know, I, I could envision of all the new faces, Carson Wentz is the only roster lock. I, I, I could see all these other guys being cut before the season even starts and it wouldn't shock me. So that, that just kind of goes to show again, how, just how unremarkable these, uh, you know, signings from other teams have been. And, you know, some people might, be a little surprised to hear you say that especially Rochelle seems like relatively yeah. safe. I mean again if but, I had to bet I'd say both those guys yeah. do make it just saying that they're low enough on the on the roster where I wouldn't call them like roster locks at this point yeah well the so the point I was going to make to that was last year they probably would have said the same thing about Sheldon Day and yeah. they did kind of make the roster by proxy he was hurt to start the season but he got let go he was not you know if he would have been healthy that whole time, he probably, you know, he may not have made the roster. Like he did not stick around at all. I, I remember exactly zero things about Sheldon Day from last year. He played against the Vikings. Mm-hmm. Uh, Cause I remember he was on the field when, when Houston got that safety. Um, But I think like after that, Taylor Stallworth took his spot and he just never played again. Yeah. Like, he got cut. So I, and I Taylor remember- Stallworth was a great find. So yeah. yeah. That I just remember that being a move I was relatively excited about, and it just did not pan out in the least. Um, okay, so that's the new faces the Colts have added. Uh, they've most of the work they've done has been in re-signing their own guys. Uh, Marlon Mack is back. That was a move I was a little surprised about, especially being like the first day of free agency. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought he could be a guy that lingered into the offseason because of the Achilles injury. Uh, but that just kind of goes to show you they've been around him this whole time. He's been rehabbing, so they know what he looks like. Uh, T.Y. Hilton, of course, that happened Wednesday. Uh, Xavier Rhodes is back. I thought that was the most important one they had to do was bring him back. 
Uh, Zach Pascal, Mo Cox, and George Odom have all been tendered restricted free agent offers. Uh, and then these guys haven't technically been re-signed. They're just, they've all been reported to be back from their, their leave of absence for COVID-19 last year. Uh, Marvell Tell, Roland Milligan, and Sky Moore. Uh, that was Jim Aiello and Joel Erickson from the star that announced those, which by the way, those two dudes have kicked so much ass during free agency for Colts coverage. I'm sure if, if you guys follow Zach and I, you follow Joel and, uh, and Jim as well, but those guys have been outstanding all free agency being plugged into everything, everything that any major NFL reporter has said, they've been right there to substantiate it and back up with their own sources. So just, just giving those guys a shout out because the Colts media does get a bit of shit sometimes. And as a member <laughs> of that Colts media, I'm going to shout out when guys are doing really well and those two guys are doing great. So, yeah, yeah, for sure. They're great. And, and also just not being mouthpieces for the team as well. Also giving their opinions and also giving their, their insights. So yeah, they, they both <laughs> been great over there. I think they started this year. Yeah. Yeah. Oh man. I, <laughs> these, these last, the last week or so, the whole indie media thing has really bugged me. Uh, the the Carson Wentz press conference got some uh, not, <laughs> the dead spin article. <laughs> oh my god! Yeah, that, that was, was such... that was you know the, okay. The best thing about that is the whole article was about like the fall of journalistic integrity and stuff like that, right? Like that's basically what his whole point was. And th- this was this was Rob Parker who basically yeah. said it was it was racist that Carson Wentz and Jared Goff were still starting quarterbacks. Basically, yeah, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, we know, yeah, we know he sucks like that, but the, the best thing about the article was again, questioning the journalistic integrity of not allowing Philly, you know, Philly reporters to ask questions when one a Philly <laughs> reporter did ask a question. Let's not say a Philly reporter. Cause okay. I was in that press conference. I asked a question. I think I was the third person to ask a question. A lot of us like to loop around again at the end to ask more questions. I didn't because there were several Philly reporters that got to ask questions. <laughs> but the next best part, right? Again, this article is about questioning journalistic integrity. How much of journalistic integrity did he break by not asking anybody involved with the situation right. about the situation? Like zero journalistic integrity in his part and didn't dig deeper for anything. I mean – it is the most ironic thing I've ever seen. And it's, it was so hilarious to me. I mean, obviously it, it was like pretty shitty and, and indie media had the right to go after him. And mm. honestly, it's probably what he was going for when he wrote it. That's Rob Parker. That's what clicks. That's what, yeah. That's what he does. Yeah. It's, it, it that's what they do. Yeah. But I just found that so funny that just questioning journalistic integrity of the situation without having any journalistic integrity of your own. Cause that's like his 10th difference. Like, you know, if you yeah. want to call this a scandal, it's like the 10th thing he's been in hot water for or doing something stupid for. So yeah, you know, any media gets, gets in a lot of shit. And yeah, I, I've heard it from agents and I've heard it from a couple other people that um, I, I don't want to, I want to say this like nicely, but some people say like indie media is a little soft on the team and stuff. And yeah, you know, I, I get some of the the complaints with indie media, but I think they do a great job. I, I, I'm good friends with a lot of the reporters, obviously Jim Aiello, Joel Erickson. Um, I, I think they all do an outstanding job. I, I really like indie media, uh, especially when I came from Washington media, that was a little more cutthroat over that way. So yeah. uh, I, I do I do like indie media and it was really shitty. They got called out for that when literally it was all false and they didn't do anything wrong. Yeah, it's, I, I don't know, the, the star got called out specifically, saying yeah. they, they should have boycotted the presser, which number one, 
their job is to cover it. Like Jim and Joel would not boycott that. That's stupid. But I don't know. I, I think these guys just have tact. I, I've been around these guys asking questions with them for years now. They just know how to ask it. It doesn't have to be combative or aggressive. But I think Carson Wentz spent like half of his press conference answering questions about his past and what went wrong in Philly and why why have people thought you were a shit teammate and things like this and that. <laughs> you don't have to ask him like you're a, a New York radio host or, or whatever. Like there's just certain ways to ask people things. Like, I don't know. Yeah. I, I just, I think these guys know the people they're asking the questions to and just know how to talk to them. Yeah, know. no, for sure. It, there's a lot more nuance that has to be involved in these situations that people don't realize. But, um, you know, I guess kind of getting back to what we were talking about before going on that tangent that we always do. <laughs> uh, people have talked a lot about Marlon Mack, T.Y. Mm-hmm. Hilton, and Xavier Rhodes resignings, right? You know, they were all great resignings. Like, in my opinion, you know, I've apparently I've been the most sour pessimistic fan all off season people have been calling me out for it but you know marlon mack one i liked and the other two i absolutely loved at their prices but which one do you think was biggest or like the best one for chris ballard this off season uh of those three i think the most important was xavier rhodes but ty was not far behind considering they didn't get any of not only did they not get any marquee receiver, which you and I didn't expect they would get, but they didn't get anyone else from that second, third or fourth tier. You know, they didn't get John Brown, Nelson Aguilar or anything. So the TY thing became a lot more important as time went on and guys came off the board. Yeah. Uh, So I still say Xavier Rhodes was the most important. And especially now that TJ Carey, maybe not coming back, Uh, but TY is just shortly behind there. Marlon, I, I, I've always liked him. I think he's a great runner. I think he can still be successful, maybe not to the level he was, but Jonathan Taylor's explosion last year kind of made Mac expendable. I hate to say that about a guy, but it did. Yeah. But you I mean, when you're paying him less than you're paying for Isaac Rochelle, for instance, mm-hmm. I'm all for taking that shot. I oh mean, yeah. I'm, I'm glad yeah. he's, I'm glad yeah. he's back. It's very cheap. I'm just saying like, they didn't need him back. By yeah. Name. Yeah. You know, I, I'm fine with taking that shot though for 2 million, you know, whatever. Uh, so I, yeah, I, I love that deal. Xavier Rhodes for 6.5 was shocking. Uh, and I think that's a, a, up to 6.5. So his base mm. is probably gonna be lower than that. We both is, thought that'd be a lot higher. I thought it would be like 10 to 12. Like mm-hmm. I, I don't know how there wasn't interest. Like how did, didn't Patrick Peterson get like 10, I think? Yeah, something like that. How did Patrick Peterson get 10 after the year he had and Rhodes got up to six after the year he got? Like that's Well, it's because Mike Zimmer <laughs> loves cornerbacks and Patrick Peterson has the Patrick Peterson persona or not persona, but just he, he has that that rep to him. Yeah. Everyone thinks Pat Peterson is always like a top three corner and it's just not how it's always been. Yeah. Think about it like this. Kevin King got six million straight up. Colts are getting Xavier Rhodes for up to six million. That's... Who would you rather have right now on your roster between <laughs> Kevin King and Xavier Rhodes? I mean, I, I think it's just, that was just an outstanding signing. Uh, mm. I, I love that. And then T.Y. Hilton won as well. I thought he should have got, um, you know, actually, you know, I think that was pretty fair for him. I, I would have guessed around uh, 10 to 12 going into the offseason i think it's eight going with a max up to 10 is what they end up giving him uh so yeah and, and you know if he has a good year with a quarterback who can make things happen with his legs and who can actually give him get him the ball down the field 
he can hit the market again next year and get an even bigger deal. So I think that's just a win-win for both sides. He doesn't have to learn a new system. And, you know, I keep seeing people say, oh, he turned down a bigger deal from the Ravens. Well, when you think about it, the Ravens' pass offense is not great. Mm. And he'd have to be there, tied there for three years. And I'm assuming, again, people, what they would say, what, what we haven't seen the details of that offer. We probably never will. But I'm guessing it was something like three years, like 25 or 26, right? Like, so technically he would be making more than what he got with the Colts. He even said something about it would, he would make more like the second he signed than what he signing bonus. Yeah. 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 So it probably would have been like three years. Yeah. Three years, like 26 with like a $12 million signing bonus, something like that. Right. And if you're TY, why the heck would you take that? Like three years tied to that offense where you could stay in the system you've been in with a quarterback who can get you the ball down the field. And then you have a chance to hit the market again next year with, you know, with, with more money flowing into the league. Like I, I like I get people kind of swinging it that way as he turned down more money, but he took the better deal, you know? So I, I don't know. I, I love, I love that they got him back. I love they got Rhodes back. I love they got Mac back. Um, I loved everything about the guys they brought back. I just wish they would have made some more additions. Uh, in actual yeah. But I think, I think it, that was a, you know, those three signings were great wins for this team. Yeah, n- neither you or I are big free agent guys. I mean, some some people may may not believe that, but like some people think I am now. There's just <laughs> certain <laughs> this. I don't think people understand that this was a a rare off season for free agent pass rushers. Yeah, teams don't let those guys get out the door. You know, Carl Lawson and Romeo Aquara and guys like that, like. Uh, there, there were several others, of course, can't think of Yannick Ngakwe. Von Miller was maybe going to be out there. But, like, teams don't usually let pass rushers get out the door. And there was an abnormal amount of quality pass rushers available. So for us to really be hoping they would land one was not was not unreasonable or unrealistic. Um, it's So it's weird. I, I did a video today with Sports Illustrated kind of recapping the Colts' team needs. Uh, after the the main wave of free agency and I was sitting there thinking about it I was like these are these are the exact same needs before before free agency they're just not as dire anymore they addressed all of them a little bit like T.Y. Yeah. T.Y. Hilton is back that that helps a little bit they still need they still need kind of a joker stretch tight end that hasn't mm-hmm. been done yet and Zach Ertz whether they sign him or not that's not going to be what that's not going to fill that gap um pass rusher Isaac Rochelle doesn't solve that cornerback Xavier Rhodes is a one-year deal he's probably not going to be back the year after so that's a rental you know these things were very short-term things they still have needs there I actually wrote about how much I love the Xavier Rhodes deal though because it's a one-year deal very cheap um, but it kind of allows the Colts to have to assess the entire group together at the end of the year by that time, they'll know whether Marvell Tell has enough promise to re- realistically, if he can be a starter moving forward, they'll know what they want to do with Rocky Sin mm-hmm. um, because that'll be three years. That I'm sure he'll be starting this year. So that'll be three years starting. They'll know what they have in him. Yeah. Davey Rhodes, again, probably won't be back after next year. You know, one one more year that, you know, I, I doubt he's back. So. They'll kind of know if they need to hit the reset button at the position outside of Kenny Moore or not. I don't know how much Isaiah Rogers factors into that group outside of being a kick returner. I don't, you know, maybe he does. I I have no idea. His 
you know, his frame at least doesn't really fit what they go for, but he did get snaps against Buffalo. So who knows? Yeah. yeah. Um, and then of course, uh, we'll, we'll go ahead and hit on the departures that the Colts had some bigger names here. Uh, some, some starters and former starters, Danica Autry was the first guy to go off the board. He went to Tennessee. Uh, didn't seem too happy about his, his leaving. Uh, I guess Tennessee kind of had a sweeter offer over the first couple of years. Uh, rather than what the Colts were looking to do. I know there's a million different ways you can move money around, but if you're looking at money beyond 2021, it seems like they obviously had some some stuff already spoken for with, with the future extensions. Um, at least that's how it's being portrayed, at least. Uh, Jacoby Brissett, former quarterback that era, is now done. He is with the Dolphins. Anthony Walker's with the Browns. Uh, so it is officially Bobby Okariki season. Uh, Tremont Smith, special teamer, he uh, he went with Frankie Ross to the Texans. Tavon Wilson, you and I spoke about him, you know, wasn't going to be back. He's with the 49ers now. And uh, this one, Clayton Gathers is trying to resume his playing career. He was a free agent at the end of last year. Um, so he is technically a Colts free agent. But, uh, yeah, he'll he'll be – He'll be trying to make a comeback. We'll see if he lands anywhere. R- rooting for him because that's a great dude. But if anyone needs a box safety, if they're looking for kind of that Mike Mitchell role, maybe uh, maybe Gathers can give that for him. But yeah, I, I don't think it's gonna be with the Colts. Yeah, my only thing with the departures, because I don't really like. Obviously, there's one that you wish would have came back was Nico Autry. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, you wish the Colts would have up the offer, but it is what it is at that point. Um, never complain about getting younger at a position. So, you know, Taekwon Lewis hopefully can step into that role. Uh, the only kind of concern I have with it is, you know, who, the guy that you would put as like the vocal leader of the offense the last couple of years, right? Even if he wasn't starting was Jacoby Brissett, right? Like he was their, their Walter Payton man of the year nominee, like big locker room guy. And then on defense, who would you point, point as that, you know, besides Leonard, I guess it would be Anthony Walker. So you, you're losing two huge, huge faces and voices in the locker room. Like, obviously, they both – it was time for both of them to move on. You know, Walker wasn't going to start next year. Obviously, Brissett wasn't going to start anytime soon. So it was obviously time for them to move on. But um, I'm a little curious about who kind of can step up into those vocal leadership roles. You know, I think a guy like Carter Willis is a, is a, a big candidate on defense. Uh, but offense, I'm a little – you know, will it be Carson Wentz that, that takes – that steps up and becomes that guy or – uh, will it be someone else? You know, I, I think that's just a very interesting to look at. Interesting thing to look at with these departures, you know, two huge locker room guys uh, leaving free agency, even though it was, you know, they definitely should have left, you know. Mm-hmm. I would throw Justin Houston in there as well, because yeah. who, who really knows if he'll be back with Autry not coming back. I think that raises the probability of of Houston. I don't even know if I want to call it a probability as much as a, a chance he'll be back. Um but he, he was very much a vocal leader in there as well. Uh, this, that's not really anything I had thought about until now. But, yeah, it's it's not often your backup quarterback is like the, the heart and soul of your offense in the mm-hmm. locker room. But that was that was Brissett. Um, very well-respected guy. Walker as well. Since, since the second he was drafted, he was known as a coach on the field. He's a coach's son. Uh, very smart guy. He was very helpful to his teammates getting them lined up and – helping them off the field as well. So that, that is, that is interesting. Yeah. It's big shoes to fill for Bobby Okariki stepping into that exact role. 
But again, I, I will I will put it out there. I, I think Kari Willis is the guy to watch to step up and be like that leader of the defense. You know, everywhere he's been, he has been the leader of of his team in defense. I mean, I've talked to I think I've talked to four different Michigan State defenders over the last couple of years now, uh, just, you know, and over the course of interviews and stuff. And man, I've never heard a guy praised so much, you know, like I've never heard one bad word about this guy, about how much he works, how much he's there for his teammates and stuff. So I really think he could take that Anthony Walker uh, role uh, as the leader of the defense, but uh, that's just something to think about. I'm, I'm, I'm just a little curious about that, you know, cause I, that's a big part of what we can't really see or, or really measure is that that locker room aspect. Yeah, because there's like a, a kind of a veteran leadership council as as well. That that will be interesting to see. The the Colts have been working on building a locker room since Chris Ballard got here four or five years ago. Um, so yeah, I mean it's it's time to see if what he's been building is going to be able to withstand some of those those big, you know, locker room spiritual losses, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Um, let's see. I think that was it. Okay. Yeah. I was going to ask you, what is, we, we asked this to, uh, to the fans earlier, what was your favorite and least favorite move of free agency so far for the Colts? Uh, favorite was Xavier Rhodes for sure. Uh, getting him for as cheap as they did and getting him back in general was just great. So yeah, Xavier Rhodes, but T Y Hilton's very close second. I mean, that was just a no brainer. I love that they got that done. Uh, least favorite again, the moves that I didn't like were, so insignificant that it's really hard to be like, oh, they're my my least favorite one. But uh, I would probably just say not making a move for not even like a big name free agent, but you know, for even a mid tier free agent so far. You know, there's still time left. It's it's March what 25th right now, so there's still time left for that. But I guess my least favorite move would be being kind of inactive those first couple of days of free agency. You know. Yeah, I think mine's probably going to be right around the same. Um, again, I think Xavier Rhodes was probably the most important. Uh, T.Y. Hilton, by the time he got signed, his was damn near as important. Um, so th- those have got to be my favorite moves. Least favorite? There, were, I, I'm not one to question Chris Ballard's approach because I bought into it from from day one, and I understand what he's doing. But I I thought there was some players that fit the Colts that signed on to other places for such reasonable deals. Yeah. And I know that's always the name of the game in free agency is, you know, how much they're willing to spend on certain guys. I just didn't understand why they weren't maybe more in play for some of these guys for such cheap deals. Yeah. To the standout, like Quentin Jefferson to the Raiders for Mm 4.5 million when he's so much better than Isaac Mm -hmm. Rochelle and plays the same role. And it's like you couldn't have gone two million more for for Quentin. I mean, obviously, there's a lot more behind the scenes. Maybe maybe Jefferson wanted to play in Vegas or something like that, you know. But yeah, it's stuff like that. Kill a Witherspoon for four million. Like, yeah, there were a lot of cheap ones. John Brown for three point seven, I think. Yeah, is what it was. It, it's uh, just every time one of those guys on our kind of checklist would go off, and I'd see the the numbers, I'd be like, "Damn, that was pretty reasonable." I don't know why they weren't more in that, but. Yeah, I think the, the one that hit me the hardest, I guess, was Yannick Nagakwe. Yeah. And these are all the Raiders signings, by the way. So, you know, hats off to the Raiders and their eight and nine season they're about yeah. to go on. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but, I like I like how you accounted for a 17-game season there on the fly. That was slick. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I've been preparing myself. But I think he got $13 million in a year. And, ah, man, that that's so reasonable for a player. For, like a ten, for a 10-sack guy, that is so reasonable. 
yeah so i don't know like again I, people people think of me as the negative nancy of this off season and yeah i I've, I've kind of played it up a little bit on twitter and and joked around about it but yeah you know i i feel like chris Ballard is great i i I'm, I'm fully bought into his approach and he's building it the right way it's just you know when you and again this is not saying there hasn't been crazy circumstances but when you have one playoff win in 4 years you're not infallible you know you you can be questioned and I, I think it's right to question things, especially when you don't have, like, say, the resume of, like, a, a Bill Belichick-type GM or coach thing, you know? So, uh, yeah, I, I, I believe in Chris Ballard. I think everything's going to work out, and I, I believe in his process. He's doing it the right way. But I still think we can ask questions and be concerned about, like, hey, this team has a lot of holes going into the draft, or likely a lot of holes going into the draft, that you can't fill with only two picks in the top 100. Uh, so yeah, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm concerned a little bit about it, but again, Ballard knows what he's doing. So we'll just have to wait and see, but yeah, I, I complained a little bit about it for sure. <laughs> yeah. To, to me, it just points more towards almost a certainty that they will be trading back in the first couple of days. I already thought Chris would want to recoup some of what they lost in the, the, uh, Carson Wentz deal, which wasn't even all that much to begin with, but you know, he wants more day two picks. Yeah. Um, but w- without signing anyone really of significance in free agency, that that almost just puts a big red circle on trading back. Mm-hmm. Um, but like you said, you know, questioning questioning the people you trust is healthy, and it's it's the difference between being a reasonable person who thinks for yourself and being in a cult. So <laughs> the I'd <cult's> prefer, cult. <laughs> yeah, I'd prefer, yeah, I'd prefer to not be in a cult. C U L T. See, there, there's a big thing when it comes and, you know, we'll get to our, our questions here in a second. We don't want to ramble on too much, but, you know, I don't want to say I'm a huge like science guy, but science has this great fundamental principle where you should question everything. Mm-hmm. If something can't withstand questioning, it's not that strong of a point or that strong of a hypothesis or anything like that. Uh, so everything deserves to be questioned, even if you're in the wrong for questioning it or, or like, you know, you're, you're going to end up looking stupid for questioning it. Everything in this world deserves questioning. And I don't think football or Chris Ballard is, is beyond that. So yeah, I, I'm going to ask questions. I'm going to be concerned, but ultimately I think he knows what he's doing and, and he's the right guy for the job. Doesn't mean I, I think he should be gone or anything like that. I, I think his process is great. It's just, I'm going to, I'm still going to question parts of it because that's what you should do. You should question things. Yeah. And and he's the type of guy that will answer those questions too, because yeah. he hears criticism and he can see both sides of the aisle and he, you know, he knows when something seems sketchy, but it's whatever. Uh, let's we'll go ahead and move on. But before we move on, I want to give a brief moment to talk about our newest sponsor, eBay. Whether it's the rare dead stock or the latest release, find the exact shoe you're looking for on eBay. As the original sneaker marketplace, eBay is the place to go to cop the pair you've been eyeing. With eBay's authenticity guarantee, your sneakers are meticulously inspected by independent professional authenticators. Yeah, I've been drinking and I just nailed that line. You are welcome. (laughs) (laughs) A team of experienced sneaker authenticators verify the box, logo, stitching, and dozens of other inspection points. Each sneaker also receives an authenticity guarantee tag that includes the digital stamp of authenticity, and it also protects sellers with a verified return process. And for sneaker sellers out there, eBay has eliminated selling fees on sneakers $100 or more, making it free to sell or flip your collection. Go to ebay.com sneakers today. 
eBay, the world's best destination for discovering great value and unique, unique selection. Damn, so close. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right, it's question time, you guys. All right. As always, you guys are maniacs and gave us quite a few. So we'll go ahead and start here from uh, from the beginning. This one is from at Jackson Colts 44. Number one, would signing Melvin Ingram, Tano Passano, and drafting Jalen Phillips give the Colts defensive line some hope? And he also had a follow-up. And also, how feasible is that, LOL? I feel like Ballard is going all in for hashtag Banigou season. Yeah, hashtag Ben Bandigoose season. Then let's do it. Um, feasible? I don't think it's feasible at all that he does all three of those. Um, just, again, the approach this offseason just seems that it's not going to be, you know, I think the young kids are going to play a lot this next year at defensive end is is the way that this offseason is kind of pointing to, which, screw it. I'm all I'm all for it. Get the young kids out there. They deserve to play. And last year it sucked to not see Bandigoose or Turi really on the field at all. So, I'm all for it, but I do think they'll make one more veteran signing a defensive end. Uh, it's still to be seen if it's going to be someone like a Melvin Ingram, who's kind of, I don't want to say a higher end, but at least like a mid type of signing, or if it'll be someone who's kind of more on the Isaac Rochelle type where it's just going to be a pure depth guy. So we'll kind of see where that's going to be, but I'm fairly confident they'll sign some, some type of veteran out there. I, I have heard R- Ryan Kerrigan uh, connected obviously with the Purdue connection and growing up out in this way and, uh, he still has a little juice left, so maybe that one could be one. But I think that, and then I think when Ballard ultimately trades back, you know, because he will and he'll have three picks on day two instead of, you know, one on day one and one on day two, I think one of those will be a, an edge rusher. But uh, all three of those options I don't really see happening, but I, I definitely see a veteran type and a draft pick coming into that group before the season starts. Yeah, I would echo that same thing. Um, feasible to get all three? Probably not, because I, I think they probably would have started to chip away at that group already, if so. Um, yeah, it makes sense to get a more reliable veteran in there. I don't know if it's going to be at the level of a Justin Houston like a couple years ago or Melvin Ingram in this instance, but just someone that can maybe get you five sacks. Um, I am all in to see the young guys go. I'm I'm cool with having Ben Banigou play left end too. I mean, not as the starter. I, I want Taekwon starting at left end. If, if everything started today, I want it to be Taekwon, I guess, and Rochelle on the left side. And then let's see Teray and Banigou on the right side. Like yep. let's just see him get snaps. If they suck, then we know then we know it, you know. Yeah, exactly. But let's see it. Like it, it it's it's hard, it's hard to get the thing about. They're not practicing well, you know, because we can't see that because some guys practice like shit and then play really well. But in this on this team, you have to practice well if you're going to play. Yeah, I can't comment too much on that, but I will say uh, it's not an effort thing with. No, no, it's definitely not that that guy. He does all the right things. It's just it was just a shitty, shitty circumstances that I can't talk too much because I've I've told people that I'd be quiet about it, but. All I know is he's working his ass off right now with the Forrest Buckner out in, in um, Nevada. So yep. hopefully, you know, this is going to be the year for him. For, you know, Ben Banigou's season, this is the year for him. It's produced or you're not going to – it's not going to work here in, in Indy. And hopefully he gets the opportunity this year. Um, his potential is great. Great dude. I've talked to him multiple times. I mean, he's a really, really good dude and a hard worker. So 
I'm pulling for him. And, you know, when I say the Ben Banigou season, like hashtag and all that, like half of it's being sarcastic. The other half is like, I really hope it is. Cause I love that guy. Like I, I really, really hope it works out for him. And uh, yeah, he, he's working his tail off. So him and Ture, they need to have big years and I really hope they can do it. Yeah. I, I, I want to make that very clear. Uh, a lot of the time the fans, if, if a guy's not performing well or can't even get on the field, they think it's a matter of effort or, you know, they need to get yeah. their head out of their ass or whatever. That's never been his issue. Since he got drafted, he's been a guy I've loved to talk to. I would go up to him in the locker room during the week or after a game, whether he played or not. He's a very smart kid and he gets it. He he had um, he had trained on his own with Robert Mathis before uh, as a rookie. He's trained with DeForest Buckner, as you know out in Las Vegas. I think Taylor Stallworth was there as well. Mm-hmm. It's not for a lack of effort. Like he's a, he's a smart kid with a good head on his shoulders. He came from, you guys don't know TCU, TCU, Gary Patterson basically runs that program like a drill sergeant. You know, that's, that's just how he is. I mean, he's a very hard ass, no nonsense type of coach. And that's where Ben Panigou came from. So, you know, he's going to have that strict mentality, that hardworking mentality, because if he slacked at all of TCU, he wouldn't have had the college career that he had. So, uh, yeah, it's not an effort thing with him. Uh, it's, it's just a matter of putting it all together and getting on the field. And I'm excited for him. I think the potential is there, and, and and hopefully it works out this next season. Yeah, absolutely. I want to see that. But uh, as for the draft, I think it's more realistic this year than it has been in past years. I don't know if you can think of, a, of another recent time, but maybe it's because of COVID stuff and there's just been – guys that opted out last year, but there's no consistency in edge rankings this year. There's no guy that's like a, a, a top five, top 10 lock. It's a very raw yeah. class. Yeah. It's a and very, very raw class. A lot of guys have Quiddy Pay at the top, Gregory Russo yeah. at the top, Jalen Phillips. You know, the, I, I think it's so incredibly realistic that the Colts get a quality pass rusher in round one or two, just because no, no teams have the same rankings. Like, a guy could be number one on some team's board, but number six or seven on another. It, this year is crazy with the yeah. variance in, in rankings. The one thing I'll echo with that, and then we can get to the next question here so we're not spending forever on one, but, um, you know, this is a super raw edge class. Like, I really don't think there's anyone who's ready to be, like, a huge, huge impact guy in year one. Maybe Quiddy Pay, in my opinion, uh, but the rest of these guys are very raw. I think Aziz Ujolari could do that as well, but um, – Super raw class, and what that means is, you know, I, I feel like if the Colts do take a, a pass rusher kind of early in this class, people are going to think, oh, it was cool not spending on edge rusher because we got this guy who's going to be a stud in year one. It's probably not going to be like that. You know, the, it, like whoever they draft here in the draft, say it's, you know, Jason Owe who just tested out of his mind uh, at Penn State today. His, what, seven career sacks, had zero sacks He's last year. so raw. He's very <laughs> Kamoko Ture-ish. Yeah. You know, he's not going to step in and be your number one pass rusher. So it's just the thing to keep in mind. Like they could get a really good player, but that impact in year one is probably not going to be there. Cause it's a super raw and just all over the place class. Uh, mm-hmm. So that's where I was when I wanted them to sign someone, but you know, it is what it is at this point, let the kids play. Um, and hopefully they get a, a inter- interesting uh, young player in the draft. Hopefully like a guy like Peyton Turner who can play inside out. That's, that's still the guy who I really want. Yeah, with this being such a 
a young group of defensive ends for the Colts. This just so seems like the year where Tyquan Lewis randomly pops off for like nine sacks. Oh, I hope man. out of nowhere. I could play, see play him more at defensive end this year, and yes. I'm and I think he could do that. He did that as a rookie and looked great at times. Mm-hmm. Uh, all right, so I'm, I'll be skipping over some of these questions because, like usual, you know, we've kind of answered some of them throughout talking about other stuff. Uh, this next one uh, from Matthias Dahl, 1993. Do you see the Colts throwing a contract after Eric Fisher? Brandon Brooks tore his Achilles in January 2019 and played all games in the following season, so they can recover in that amount of time. Uh, God, so Eric Fisher would be the perfect example. You and I talked about this a couple shows ago. Uh, he may not sign until later in the offseason. Like, why so, would he? Yeah. Right. So I think if the Colts strike out on tackle in the draft, that becomes more realistic, especially with the Ballard tie. Um, but standing here right now, I would say that's probably not going to happen. Yeah, I feel like their plan of attack at tackle is you're going to have guys like Tevi and Davenport, and maybe they'll bring in another guy too just to have competition. Uh, my, my comparison for it was like when you go to a CD store and you buy that like paper bag of CDs yeah. <laughs> and CDs in there and you pay $1 for it and you really hope you get a good CD out of it. So, you know, you hope that one of those guys becomes your swing tackle, but they're going to attack that in the draft. I, I, if I had to put money on what their first position drafted is in the draft, it would be on tackle, uh, especially with how good this tackle class is. You know, we're, we're talking about edge rankings being different. The tackle rankings, you know, your, your 10th guy could be a top 20 pick. Yeah. in in some other like this is the best like I thought last year was a great tackle class just with the depth of this class I mean there's if I had to say like just off the top of my head I think there's 15 to 16 guys who I think could be legit starters in the NFL in this draft class obviously they're not all going to be but I think they're guys who can be uh so this is a super super deep draft class for tackle so I guess if you are gonna go with their plan of signing guys like Tevi and Davenport and having Will Holden on your roster you know having guys who are decent and then bringing in uh, a draft pick, you know, this is the class to do it because there's so many good options. So I, I think the draft is the way they're going to attack that. Um, and I, I just don't see a guy like Eric Fisher really being in play. Yeah. I, I Again, I only think that happens if they think their, their, their options are terrible and yeah. they're regretting things. Um, next one from Dustin Nelson. Uh, Coach Gannon, Jonathan Gannon, was cited as a strong reason for Xavier Rhodes coming to Indy last year. Were you surprised to see that Rhodes resigned given that Gannon's uh, departed to be the Eagles defensive coordinator? How much of last year's success can be attributed to that relationship? And how, if at all, does that factor into 2021? So you're perfect to answer this because you had a, you had a little Rhodes, you got a, a little bit of Rhodes Intel on free agency and you happen to know a lot about the new cornerbacks coach. Yeah. Yeah. So I fully expected Rhodes to leave in free agency. I expected his market to be over $10 million a year, and I knew the Colts were going to go that high for him. So I th- I'm pretty sure the offer that he took was probably their highest offer from the beginning of free agency, and that was probably the offer he ended up taking at the end. But, yeah, I was a bit shocked that he came back. But, you know, ultimately when you're with a team for an entire year and you have the success that he had, uh, you know, when you strike out in free agency, where's the better place to go? You know, you want to go back to a system that you were just in and had a lot of success in. Uh, even if his defensive back coach is gone, you know, going back to that whole system that you had a great, you had great success. And I think was big for him uh, in terms of his success going to this next year without him. Uh, James Rowe, the new cornerback coach has had immense success everywhere he's gone. Uh, I, you know, there's a whole article in my pin tweet on Twitter 
is about uh, James Rowe. So, you know, check that out, click on, it. I'm pretty sure you probably have, if you're, if you're asking questions for the show, but uh, yeah, I think James Rowe is an outstanding corners coach. And I think there's not going to be too much of a drop off or anything like that for any of these corners under him. So yeah, I think Rose can have a great year. Again, I was shocked that he came back, but I was also shocked at the money that he got uh, compared to some other guys in the market. So I think it just worked out for both sides to, to give it another go for him. Next up from Michael K. Uh, what would be your draft strategy after round two, assuming the first picks are edge and left tackle, which you never can assume. Yeah. Well, let's just say, let's play along and say their first two picks are edge and left tackle. What would you prioritize after that? There's a lot. <laughs> There's a lot to prioritize. I think obviously edge and left tackle, you need someone who can contribute in year one, you know, like, Maybe they're not superstars in year one, but you need someone who can at least play in year one. Uh, the other positions, I think, that could use some more depth or just use another young player. I mean, you could go receiver. Uh, I think they need a vertical threat uh, in that receiver group. And luckily, this is like the most athletic receiver class we've seen. So it just kind of works out perfectly. Uh, I think they need a third safety really bad. I know there's a couple guys that like in this class that they might draft earlier than some people expect. Uh, I think they need another linebacker who can play a little bit because, I mean, behind Okariki and and Leonard, you're looking at special teams guys or guys who are day three picks who have never really played. So that depth is looking a little shoddy right now. Um, and then that move tight end. That move tight end's huge. Uh, they could still go with that. Another corner would be nice. I mean, you could really go anywhere with it. Uh, and it, it, it's kind of like, you know, you want your draft strategy to be that you have guys at every single spot. And that way you can go into the draft and just draft your best value. Whereas the Colts, it's kind of like you kind of have needs at every single spot, even if like some are very dire needs like left tackle and edge, but you also kind of need a younger, a, a, you know, a youth corner, a younger corner. You need a younger third safety. You need a younger linebacker. You need a younger receiver. You need a younger move tight end. So it's kind of like they have needs everywhere they, that, you know, they, they could go at. So they, they have the benefit of going wherever they want with it, but it's kind of out of, you know, the needs they have everywhere. Yeah, that's crazy because you could – the Colts have way more needs now than they have the last couple off seasons, but I could see them making a deeper playoff run than they have the last couple off seasons potentially. It's oh, weird how – yeah, oh, it's, it's yeah, it's weird how those things work out. Um, so just for the sake of, of getting positions, I would say cornerback has decent depth and they need it. Yeah. Uh, and – I'd be intrigued to see them finally draft a tight end. Um, I don't, again, this, this whole draft class, there's just not very much consistency in rankings. So if someone like Pat Fryermuth was available or something, if they were to get a third round pick, cause he's not going to be their day three, no way. Yeah. Uh, Fryermuth, Tommy Tremble, someone like that, like an athletic guy. Tremble uh, would be fun. Tremble would be great. Yeah. I, 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 of course, can't think of that kid from Alabama's name, but he'll be a day three tight end. Mm-hmm. Um, you know who I'm talking about, but he, he's kind of an athletic, do-it-all kind of tight end. Um, but, yeah, I, w- I would be interested to see Ballard finally draft the tight end or cornerback. Th- those would be a couple. And, of course, Please. receiver is very deep as well. Yeah, if I had to put money on him drafting a position because he has drafted one of these in every single draft his entire career, he's going to draft a corner somewhere. Yes. Always drafts corners. Like, that's his thing. He takes so many shots at corner. 
and you know eventually you'll find a gem. So uh, I like that approach to the cornerback class, a cornerback group. But he'll definitely draft a corner. Uh, but we'll just kind of have to see where how high it is. But yeah, there's a lot of ways he could go with it after those, you know, after uh, offensive tackle and and uh, edge are addressed. This is a good one here. Um, non specifically non really Colts related uh, from Lucas Robbins. Besides yourselves and other Colts media members, who are must-follows in your opinion for stuff like draft coverage, athletic testing, stat analysis, film breakdowns, etc., that most Colts fans might not be following right now? Well, for draft, you got to follow Dane Brugler. Absolutely. Uh, Dane Brugler is like, you know, everyone grew up like wanting to be Mel Kuyper and Daniel Jeremiah and stuff. I wanted to be Dane Brugler so bad. Like Dane yeah. Brugler was my guy growing up. Like I, I just loved his work so much. Uh, he, he's just so good. Such a nice guy. I actually talked to him a couple of times. He helped me with him. He did an article with me for Stampede a couple of years ago. Uh, by far and away the best draft guy that you could follow. Um, for like athletic testing, it's definitely Math Bomb. Math uh, Ken, Bomb yeah. Kentley Platt. Uh, who does all the RAS uh, stuff where he compares it throughout the history of athletic testing and stuff since like 1998. Uh, I, I use that in every single one of my articles. So if you guys, you know, if you guys read my stuff, I mean, I use RAS and everything. Uh, he does a great job with that. Um, I'm trying to think analytics, anybody from football outsiders uh, does a great job. Sports info solutions uh, released their draft guide book that they do where they, ha they have pretty in-depth uh, stats like, that are way more in depth, even than like pro football focus does. So definitely get that book. If you want that. Um, what, what was the last one? I think I, I think I've kind of hit on most of them there. What, was there another one in there? Uh, da, 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 da. Yes. Film breakdowns. Film breakdowns. Oh, there's so many guys. Ted, Ted Gwynn from. Uh, Ted Gwynn is probably the best. He's, he's amazing. Oh, uh, Mark Bullock, uh, who has a sub stack now. Um, it's mostly Washington football team related, but the way he breaks down concepts and stuff like past concepts, and I, I always go to his stuff. He does a great job. Um, Brandon Thorne for offensive line play, uh, his film breakdowns of that are just a plus, um, Mark Schofield for quarterback play. Yeah. His, his breakdowns on quarterback play. I learn so much every single time I go, I kind of bounce things off him every time I don't know something about quarterback play. Cause I, I feel like that's my weakest evaluation position. Mm -hmm. so I always bounce stuff off. I'm like a lot with Jacob Eason stuff. When I was writing about Jacob Eason, uh, you know, in this past off or during the season, um, cause you know, we were thinking that he might be the, the guy or might be the, the primary backup, which he still could be. I was bouncing so much off him cause I think he had Eason as his quarterback four in this past class. So, uh, yeah, he, he's a great guy to talk to and, and look at all his film stuff. But there, there's so many good film guys out there. Like, I am I feel lucky enough to even say I am a film guy with some of these guys because the way they break it down is just outstanding. Yeah, I, I would absolutely have to echo all those guys. Uh, my partner over at Horseshoe Huddle, Josh Carney, he's yeah. very good at, at film breakdowns. Um, I'd like to mention just kind of some some position-specific guys. Mark Schofield, of course, with quarterbacks. Um, Brad Kelly is outstanding yeah. with receivers. There's no one better as far as Twitter personalities go than Brandon Thorne with offensive line. Um, of course, you've got your your Jeff Schwartzes and guys like that, but Brandon Thorne's been a Twitter guy since you know since the beginning. He actually uh, reached out to me about mm -hmm. how he could set up film session stuff with with players because mm -hmm. he saw my stuff with the Colts guys last year. 
And now I'm seeing him do these like hour and a half breakdowns with like Tevin Jenkins, Alex yeah. Leatherwood. Like, it's awesome. You know, he, he's doing a great job with that Substack brand that he's got going. Uh, he's so good, man. He he's just so smart when it comes to offensive line play. I mean, he's he's a must follow for everything offensive line. Yeah, it, it was funny. The uh, the last time I was covering the Senior Bowl, I was actually covering the game, and everyone seems to leave by the time the game is actually played. Yeah, so. <laughs> I was covering the game in the press box and Brandon Thorne was sitting next to me and, you know, I was live tweeting the game and stuff. And I was seeing the stuff he was tweeting. And I was like, what the fuck? This guy's so smart. Like <laughs> seeing things I'm not even thinking about. And we're seeing the exact same field right now. Mm-hmm. But no, Brandon Thorne is, is one of a kind there. You got to follow him if you want offensive line play. And he, if you don't understand trench play, he makes it very understandable for you anyway. So I, I can't recommend him enough. Um, oh, and one more I'll throw out there for except for draft stuff is uh, Fran Duffy's podcast mm-hmm. with the Eagles. Fran Duffy uh, also has Dane Brugler on there a lot. And I think Ben Fennel, I think, are all on like a draft podcast. But Fran Duffy has my dream job but for the Eagles where he works for the Eagles and he breaks down film with coaches and players and stuff like that. Um, he, he does an outstanding job. Fran Duffy's like, another one of my guys who was like Dane where it's like a guy that I like idolized growing up uh, really, really nice guy too. So there, there's so many, like I, we could literally do a whole podcast just shouting out guys that I like, yeah. that we like to follow. So exactly. And I'm, I'm glad you mentioned Fran Duffy because I was obviously with, with Colts.com, the Colts official website, the last uh, couple draft seasons. And it was very important to me that I made our website, arguably the best team website when it comes to draft stuff. And I think we did that uh in my time there but in my mind i knew we were always second place to the eagles and fran i want i i i wasn't even i did i wasn't even trying to be better than fran and the Eagles side i was like we just need to be able to keep up with fran and the Eagles side i i want people to think our draft content for a team site is that good dude so, when he yeah. when he hit me up he read one of my Builder Ballard pieces early in the offseason and he DM'd me asking me to come on his podcast. Mm-hmm. And it literally took me like an hour to respond because I was like, holy shit. And right. DM'd me. Yeah. I was like, dude, I've been like watching his videos since like high school. Like Fran is cool. awesome. The so fact cool. that a team site has has him working, they're very they don't realize how blessed they are to have someone like that. Yeah. Well, you know how useful his videos were when we hired Reich and um all, like all the guys from that staff, because he's done interviews with those guys. So you know, I could take quotes from those videos that he had with Frank Reich talking about like switch releases and stuff like that, or Press Taylor talking about uh, finding soft spots and zones. Like it, it's so helpful for my stuff too, just having those videos out there considering the Colts take, you know, all the coaches from the Eagles. So yeah, yeah, Fran, Fran's great, man. Like honestly, A plus, A plus guy, A plus uh, work that he puts over there with the Eagles. Um, I wish I was an Eagles fan. I could really enjoy it even more, but he, he's great. I don't, because uh, apparently if it means you have to be a big bag of shit to that Giovanni kid who's the oh, sweetest yeah. kid on earth. and Yeah. You know. I know not all of you are like that. One, one of my best friends is an Eagles fan, but if you're listening to the show and you were being an asshole to that kid, what are we doing? That kid's great. I love him. We're, we'll take him to we'll, – we'll make him an indie fan eventually. Oh, you know he's going to a Colts game. If if he's – if everything's, like, clear for travel and, like, open stadiums there, he's going to a game. Absolutely. Absolutely. Next one from our boy, Max Houghton. And Max, you you have to respond and tell me how to say your last name. It's Houghton or Houghton. <laughs> I'm sure it's one of those. And it bothers me that I can't nail it. 
But he asks, how far do you think the Colts would or should trade back from 21? Um, I, I'm almost like 80% sure they're going to trade back from 21. Which and I may, be, I may be lowballing it. Um, so in a normal draft, Chris Ballard basically sees it. The first half of the first round has your blue chip players in it, the guys you really, really want to covet and would maybe trade up for. And then after that, the rankings are so close that you might as well trade back and grab more picks. That's just how he sees it. And unless there is a really good player they covet that has slipped there to 21 or they don't have a chunk of guys they would want if they traded back and thought they could still get them, I could see him going down to the top of the second round. Yeah. And we'll think about it like this too. Just, I know people are going to laugh when I say this part, but uh, you know, the last two guys they've taken early in the second round, Rockison and Michael Pittman Jr. They had them rated as first round guys on their board. Yeah. They, they, they were, they were like a hundred percent match blue Colts horseshoe guys. Like they yeah. wanted those guys. Yeah. They had Rockison as a clear first rounder. And if they didn't, if they weren't able to trade back, they were going to take him in the first. But then they traded back and got them, you know, because mm-hmm. they saw the value there and they had enough guys in that tier where they were going to, you know, they felt fine taking them. Uh, that's just kind of how they view it, just like you said. But yeah, especially in this class, I think this is one of the weaker up top classes I've ever seen. I, I like personally, for me, I have only like 11 true, like high impact, high potential first round grade guys right now. Typically, I'm around 16 to, to 20 with that. And this year I'm at 11 right now. Uh, so, yeah, I, I think it's very weak up top. And, and there's a lot. I mean, I think the, the true talent in this class is kind of in that like that late day two range. And the Colts don't have a pick right there. So, yeah, I think trading back uh, to like late first, early second, depending on what you get, maybe even trading back again and getting even more uh, draft capital and getting more young guys on this roster. I totally see Chris Ballard doing that. But I, I would imagine from 21 He'd probably trade back somewhere between 30 and 35 would probably be where you would hit either a team in the early second wants to trade up like the Jets make a lot of sense. The Jets have a ton of day two picks this year, and I think they have the 34th pick in the second round, which I think the Colts have drafted at 34 the last two years. So they can make that three years in a row. I think that one makes a lot of sense. So probably in that 30 to 35 range. Yeah, that that makes sense to me. I I don't think – it's just all kind of the same to them. If mm-hmm. they were, if they're able to get another third or fourth round pick out of it by sliding five more slots down, then they would be comfortable with them. Just do it. You know, like the, the main objective um, pretty much in their mind is to get as many shots at the dartboard as they can get. So just do it, you know, which is the right way to view it. 100% yeah. the right, like, you know, if there's a guy who you view as like top tier, obviously take them like a Quentin Nelson type, but you know, as many shots as you can take because the, the draft is such a crapshoot. You know, even one of the best GMs in football, like Chris Ballard, can have guys going into their third or fourth year looking like busts. And, you know, they obviously get have big years, but, you know, Paris Campbell, Taekwon Lewis, Ben Banigou, Kamoko Ture, those are guys who could potentially be bust here. And odds are at least two of them, two or three of them might be bust. But Chris Ballard's still one of the best drafting uh, GMs in the league. Uh, so it's just taking as many shots as possible. Uh, and, and he understands that. And he has the perfect approach to the draft with the way he does that. Yeah. And kind of to that point, uh, this next one is from Jonathan Taylor Thomas. Without a third round pick and given the depth of the draft, who are two to three 
realistic players you could see being at 21 that you think the Colts would not pass on? I think either Darisol or Cosme make a lot of sense there. I, I'm going to certainly say Dar- uh, Christian Darisol from Virginia Tech. I think that one just makes way too much sense, and he's high-impact left tackle from day one. Uh, so I think if he's there, there's no chance they trade back. Uh, I could see if one of the Alabama receivers falls, even though Smith is definitely not Ballard's type typically. Mm-hmm. I think he's just going to be so high on their board that they'd be would a take special him. traits guy. Yeah, hit him and and Jalen Waddle. I think are just special traits guys. They probably wouldn't pass on. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to think of another guy. Yeah, Waddle Waddle's short and Smith is light. Yeah, uh, I could definitely see Quiddy Pay being that type for them too. I just think you know he's 277 pounds. He can bend really well. Strong guy, play inside out. I just think he hits so many Ballard things, and he's also just a high-level prospect that if he's there at 21, I don't think they pass. But outside of that, I really don't see them – you know, I, I just see them trading back. You know, I don't think there's many guys they wouldn't pass on. Maybe Cosme as well. Uh, I know the NFL is a tad lower on him than some media people are. But, you know, with his great uh, pro day, he could be back in the first-round conversation. But I think Christian Darisol and, and – um uh, Quiddy Pay are the top two guys that he just wouldn't pass at 21. I could definitely see those. And I think I would add um, JC Horn to that. Yeah. Because again, cornerback is another group where everyone seems to kind of have many of the top four or five, but the order is all different. Horn's um, his type. Horn, Horn's an asshole. He's definitely his type. <laughs> yeah. You want a cornerback that plays like a linebacker. And I, I think Horn would fit them really well. So I, I could I could see him being a no-brainer pick for them and not wanting to trade back for him. Oh, uh, let's see. We got a couple more. Da, 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 da. Okay. Uh from our boy Felipe Costa. In a very likely trade down scenario, which philosophy do you think the Colts will adopt and which do you think they should adopt to prioritize assets in this year's draft or next year's draft? So basically they trade down and they basically have the option of, you know, give us, give us this year's third or fourth round pick or next year's second, because for some reason, future picks always seem to carry less value Mm -hmm. because I think teams plan to be better and have worse draft picks. Yeah. I think, uh, I don't think it's going to be prioritizing one over the other, but I think it's like, Say, uh, say the Jets, I'm just gonna throw the Jets out. Say the Jets are offering a package of either the 34th pick this year and the second next year to move up to 21 and maybe like a day three pick as well, because I feel like there'd be a little more value in there. Uh, or they're offering their second this year, a third this year, and a third next year, you know, something like that. You know, it's just gonna be about what Ballard sees as more valuable for this team. I do, I will say though that they are very frustrating when Ballard takes the ones that are, you know, he moves back a couple spots and takes a future pick with it, but it's whatever he sees is the best value. Uh, even in a year like this where they have a lot of needs, I think he's going to just prioritize whatever gets him, you know, more optimal value for that pick. So I don't think it's going to be particularly saying like, okay, we want picks for next year because we're not going to have our first or oh, we want picks for this year because we don't have our third. I think it's just going to be which one is more valuable to what, what I'm doing here. And, and that's the way he's going to go about it. Yeah, I think that's exactly right. And it's whatever whatever suits them best in that moment, wherever they currently sit and what they think they can do and where they can move in that draft. I know that's 
that's basically a lot of things to just say there, but you know, they're in a similar boat. They don't have this year's third and they don't have next year's probably first. So whichever way they look at it, it's trade ammo or more shots at the board, however they want to use it. They're kind of in a similar boat. Um, The last one we'll do here. This one's kind of a bunch one, uh, but one of their questions is something I've heard a couple times. Um, kind of referencing the picture that Michael Pittman posted with Carson Wentz and Desmond Patman, and Patman looking real big. Uh, could Desmond Patman be a tight end this year? I don't see it. Uh, I I kind of asked Pittman about Patman last week. I didn't ask him about playing tight end, but I mentioned how big he was. He didn't, he didn't mention anything about not being a receiver. Uh, I don't think so. I just think he is a workout warrior and he's a big dude. It would be fun. It'd be really fun. But it would be fun, but I, I he was he made the roster last year. They just didn't really get opportunities to make him active. So I think they like what he offers as a receiver. I don't think they would be ready to throw in that towel, yeah. even though they don't have that stretch tight end they want yet. He's he hasn't he wasn't like a physical enough college player, I think, for them to think he could play tight end. Yeah, and they went out of their way to keep him all last year. Yeah, like, you know, they they cut other players in order to keep him on the roster, even if they weren't going to play him. So, yeah, I, I think they like him a lot at receiver, and I'm super excited to see what he can do. Um, so yeah, I, I don't think he's going to be a tight end. I think it's going to be receiver for him, and hopefully, he gets on the field this year. Yeah. And then this was Jeffrey Patton, by the way. Uh, Another one of his questions was who could be on the trading block? So if there's any Colts on the trading block, I don't see any obvious answers in this one other than Jordan Wilkins. And I don't think he'd fetch more than a seventh round pick right now. We said that the last couple of years now that he's kind of on the trading block. Uh, Especially with Marlon Mack back. I just, I don't see him having much about, you know. Uh, Jordan Wilkins, maybe, maybe like, a sign and trade type thing with like George Odom, if he's really, really upset about yeah. this, because you know, he did have that, that cryptic tweet, uh, which I hate going off cryptic tweets for things, but you know, yeah, maybe George Odom, if that situation's really bad or um, that's really the only one I can think of. There's again, this, this team right now just needs depth. There's not really much depth across the board right now, outside of like special teams guys. And you're not going to trade special teams guys for anything of value. So yeah, Jordan Wilkins is probably the only one that makes sense. And I know, I mean, we, we both know the Colts do love him. And that's not something they would just do maybe for like a conditional seventh. You know, it'd have to be for a legit reason if they got a replacement for him, which they currently don't have. So, yeah, I don't I don't see them really making any trades. Yeah, I, I don't either. They just don't have many guys with, with value. Uh, and then Jeffrey's last question that we'll do here. Uh, do you think the Colts have too many weapons? And he says, please don't say you can never have too many. Um, honestly, no, they don't. They, they still need a receiver who can stretch the field. And they need kind of a stretch tight end as well. Um, I know there's there's kind of a perception that Mo Cox is that, but he's really not. He's a big play contested catch guy. It's a difference. Um, Trey Burton was kind of supposed to be that that yards after catch stretch tight end kind of, um, but there uh, there's that's still an element they could use to their their offense. Uh, and then again, um, we love Paris Campbell, but we just you can't count on him yet. So you need a, that receiver that can stretch the field. 
that's been Marcus Johnson most consistently the last couple of years. Um, so there, there are a couple pieces you still need in, in terms of playmakers. Yeah, they, they have a lot of interesting weapons, but nothing you can really rely on outside of like, you can rely on Zach Pascal being who he is. You can rely on T.Y. being kind of who he was last year, where that more of that short and intermediate type guy can get some plays down the field. And you can rely on Jack Doyle being Jack Doyle and Jonathan Taylor and Naeem Hines both being dynamic. But you can't rely on Marlon Mack being what he was. You can't rely on Paris Campbell at all. I don't think you can really rely necessarily on Michael Pittman's breakout, even though I'm super, super excited for it. And I think it can happen. You don't, we don't know what Des Patman is. We don't like Ashton Doolin. We don't even know who he is really on the field. The Michael Harris, we don't know what he is. Like, you know, there's a lot of interesting with, with this group, you know, but there's not really much reliability. Uh, so I think, you know, for move tight end, for instance, like going off of deals that, uh, that were upset didn't happen. Like the Dan Arnold deal would have been perfect. I don't know what happened, why the Colts weren't able to get that one done. Uh, two years, six million for Dan Arnold would have been perfect for the move Very tight end. Cheap. But you know, I think like just more reliable options and also just, you know, guys who are explosive and stuff like that, just add more of that. Uh, like you said, receiver group definitely needs a vertical threat because T.Y. is kind of not that anymore. Paris Campbell, even though he has the speed, is really not that. Des Patman, maybe. Uh, but we again, we don't know what he is. So getting a guy who can stretch the field consistently, I think, is big. And then that move tight end, getting a, a tight end who can also stretch the field is big. So, yeah, I, I don't think they have too many weapons. Uh, they don't. They definitely don't have too many consistent weapons or reliable weapons right now. Uh, and even though the tweet said it, you, you can never have too many weapons. You know, add, yeah. add all the talent you can to those those positions, add all the competition you can, and, and just keep taking shots. And Chris Ballard knows that the shot, the pl- the places he takes shots every draft are offensive line depth, receiver, and corner. He will always take just a ton of shots, and if he hits on someone. Uh, it, it's, you know, you can hit on, this isn't, wasn't a draft guy, but you know, if you hit on like a Kenny Moore, then your team is way better for it. You know, you got always take shots because th- those positions are revolving doors that you just need to keep getting talent in. Yeah, absolutely. Like you said, there's a lot of intrigue in those positions, but there's not so many sure things that you can bet on enough to where you don't make moves at those positions. All right. With that said, that is going to wrap it up for us for questions and the show for today. Please remember to subscribe to the show and give us a rating and review. We can be found on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Be sure to follow the show on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Believe in Colts. Me personally at NFL on Twitter and Facebook, as well as Arthur underscore on Instagram. Zach is on Twitter and Instagram at ZachHicks2. And be sure to follow his written work on Stampy Blue and Cover One and mine on Sports Illustrated's Horseshoe Huddle. This episode was brought to you by Bet Online and eBay. If you're interested in advertising on Believe Podcasts, please contact, contact them at Believe.com. Or if you're interested in just advertising on our show specifically, shoot us an email at BelieveInColts at gmail.com. You'll hear from Zach and me again probably next week recapping anything new that's happened. So uh, stay tuned and you guys have a good one. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger. Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts 
so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.